Hello and welcome to The Legal Cut, where we dissect your favorite scenes from TV, film, and literature to see how they hold up under the law. I'm Daniel Weber. I'm John Santiago. What topic are we discussing today, John? Well, Dan, today we are asking the question, if the events of Jurassic Park, The Lost World, and Jurassic Park 3 are public knowledge, are the people who are injured in Jurassic World at partial fault because they assumed the risk of injury. Interesting premise, John. What should we call this episode? I'm thinking let's call it Jurassic Dummies. So we're talking about all the people who were injured in the 2015 film Jurassic World. Assuming that they know about the first park's destruction, the T-Rex attack in San Diego, and anything about the third movie that may be relevant. I would be happy to leave the third movie out of this as much as possible, Dan. I agree, John. Besides adding the danger of a few flying pterodactyls, there's not really much to get out of the third film. Now, John, can you think of any time you assume the risk for a dangerous activity? I can think of a few times. There's a famous beach on Oahu, where I'm from in Hawaii, and uh, you can jump off this large rock into the water below. You just have to make sure it's at high tide, because if you jump off at low tide, you might hurt your back or something. And so when I have jumped off that rock, I have definitely assumed the risk of injury, because I know it's dangerous. There's signs that say it's dangerous, and I do it anyway. It's a miracle we survive as young men, John. Have you done anything that you definitely thought, this is dangerous, but I'm going to do it? I've jumped off a rock or two as well, John. I think uh, any sport as well that we all partake in is also another situation where... Everybody kind of assumes a risk. When you play soccer, you're going to run into somebody. You might end up twisting an ankle, and yeah, that's just a risk that you assume when you play the sport. Now, since we're assuming the park guests in Jurassic World have some knowledge about the dangers they might meet, let's establish uh, precisely what we expect them to know. Agreed, John. Let's start from the beginning. If they know the events of the first film, perhaps by means of an interview given by a survivor like Dr. Malcolm, they'd know that one... A park was made to house reincarnated dinosaurs. Two, human error and animal unpredictability led to their escape from confinement. And three, their ancient form of chaotic hunger was beyond the power of those in charge to confine. People get eaten. What about the events of the second film, John? Well, in The Lost World, the events on the island were less transparent than those in the first movie. Uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm was there, yes, but I believe the incident in San Diego, California, made the dangers posed by these rogue dinosaurs obvious to the nation and even the world. A baby T-Rex and its parent drift ashore on a cargo boat, and the T-Rex goes on a Godzilla-like rampage. Cars get crushed, a poor guy gets chomped trying to run into a blockbuster, Wow, that is a dated sentence. <laughs> Some kid's poor dog gets eaten, and news alert, T-Rexes are dangerous. Wow, all right. Well, let's examine what's going on in the instant case, then. Jurassic World. In that movie, a new park has been created, showcasing familiar and new dinosaurs. It seems like business is booming. Even Jimmy Buffett makes a cameo in the movie as a park attendee. So it seems like even the rich and famous are going to this place. And then, all hell breaks loose. And how did this all happen again? The geneticists at Jurassic World create this new dinosaur, the Indominus Rex. The new dino is as massive and powerful as a T-Rex, and as smart as a Velociraptor. I think he even has some camouflaging abilities to boot. The Indominus Rex hides in its enclosure using its camouflaging ability, 
Chris Pratt's character stupidly decides to enter the enclosure, thinking that this guy had escaped. Surprise, surprise, it was there all along. Pratt's coworker gets nabbed, and in the process of Pratt's escape, the Indominus Rex escapes too. The park owner sends in a team of security personnel to capture the dino. They all get killed. The park owner tries to chase it down in a helicopter, but Rexy breaks into the pterodactyl enclosure, releasing flying dinos that crash into the chopper, causing it to crash into the enclosure, releasing even more pterodactyls and these weird, clumsy-looking, big-headed, flying carnivores. And I think that is the scientific term, right, Dan? Clumsy-looking, big-headed, flying carnivores? They were pretty gosh darn goofy, John. Uh, yeah, these flying monsters then terrorize the park guests. And just like the first movie, except this time, these dinosaurs have even more people to chomp into, stomp on, maul, whatever they want to do. Pretty much, John. The victims in Jurassic Park were professionals, whereas the victims of Jurassic World were paying park guests. The question is, if those tourists sue Jurassic World, are their lawsuits weakened because they assumed the risk of being eaten by going to the island with knowledge of the previous dinosaur movies? That's a big question, Dan. Why don't we uh, start with the law? What kind of theory are we looking at this case through the lens of? We're looking at the theory of premise liability and negligence and potentially strict liability. What do we need to do to prove negligence, John? To prove negligence, the plaintiff needs to establish that first, the defendant owed a duty of care, either to protect or to avoid harming the plaintiff. Two, the defendant breached that duty of care. Three, the plaintiff was harmed. And finally, four, that the defendant's breach caused the plaintiff's harm. My gut says things are looking bad for Jurassic World on all of these elements. Do we want to run through and prove up each? Element, John? Sure. I think number one is pretty straightforward. Jurassic World did owe a duty of care when it invited tourists to their secluded island full of dinosaurs. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would say any zoo owes a duty of care to any of its guests not to release lions to feast upon them. I think two is also undisputed. Jurassic World breached that duty of care by allowing that Indominus Rex to escape and not immediately evacuating the park once something had gone wrong. I would also have to agree with you there, John. When an animal gets out of a cage, usually somebody neglected something. Now, three's, three's the real difficult one, Dan. Do you think people actually got harmed because of this? I don't know, John. Some would say the gentle embrace of that weird-headed flying monster on your shoulder <laughs> chomping down on you. Well, that's a story you'll tell your grandchildren. What's the harm? Oh. A little no. Yeah, of course they're harmed. And uh, number four, the defendant's breach was the cause of this harm. I think we can say indeed it was. Yeah, life finds a way to get its teeth onto guests once it gets out of the cage. Even worse for Jurassic World is that this carnage resulted from wild animals, which means they might just be strictly liable in this case. Jurassic World most closely resembles a zoo as it contains rare and dangerous animals. I believe most states hold owners of wild animals strictly liable for any harm caused by them, meaning that there is no need to prove up duty or breach like we just did. So what does the plaintiff need to prove in those cases? All the plaintiff needs to prove in this case is that the defendant's wild animal caused them the harm and they've established liability. I see. It seems abundantly clear that the disastrous escape of the Indominus Rex caused great harm to the park guests, 
The question now turns to whether the park can go to any affirmative defenses. Well, let's take a look at the doctrine of assumption of risk. To avoid the confusion of international law and to better stay with our expertise as licensed attorneys in the state of California, let's examine this under California law. A plaintiff is barred from suing a defendant if they assumed the risk of a dangerous activity unless the defendant was grossly negligent, reckless, intentionally hurt the plaintiff, or acted outside the scope of what someone would be expected to do in that situation. And this comes from California Civil Jury Instruction 408. Now, what if the tourists signed a liability waiver, saying something like, uh, Jurassic World is not liable for any injuries that occur during your visit, including, and not limited to, decapitations? Would they be okay? A liability waiver does not remove liability from a defendant who acted with gross negligence. And what is gross negligence, Dan? If a court used Black's Law Dictionary for guidance, they'd look for a, quote, lack of even slight diligence or care, or the omission of such diligence as habitually careless and inattentive people do actually exercise in avoiding danger to their own person or property. So even though we've established strict liability, can there still be a defense? Yes, John, but the plaintiff needs to know and appreciate the danger that justifies making this a strict liability case. I think in this situation, the plaintiffs would need to know and appreciate exactly what makes wild dinosaurs so dangerous. So what facts do point to the tourists assuming the risk here? So, John, we've already talked about the first movie, which has some interesting parallels right to this film right here, where you have a group of people confined on an island, you have a disaster that lets the dinosaurs escape. So, John, maybe they not only knew that this could happen, but maybe they'd all kind of secretly hoped it would happen. What do you mean by that, Dan? I mean, when I saw Jurassic Park as a kid, I was the topic of meetings that my teachers were having with parents. <laughs> I was very excited. I could not, as a kid, I couldn't imagine anything more exciting than actually being in the movie Jurassic Park. Running away from the dinosaurs who are trying to eat you. Yes, presuming that uh, I would not get eaten, of course. Now Seems like you and I have very different uh, definitions of fun, Dan. <laughs> hey, say, to each their own. Now, the events of the first movie being known, anybody going to the island would actually have to have some sort of assurances that everything is different. Or they'd have to kind of know, like, hey, there's a chance dinosaurs can escape and they can go on their little chomping rampage. I would say even the second movie shows that this would be very viscerally known. People see that T-Rex chomping through the streets of San Diego. Right. I think The Lost World would be the movie that has the most factors that point to the tourists assuming the risk. That T-Rex in San Diego was caught on TV cameras. There was probably a national scandal for months following that incident where Congress and everyone probably jumped in and tried to sue InGen, the company that made the dinosaurs. So, yes, these tourists have had years to watch what can happen when something goes wrong, and yet they get on the boat and go to the island anyway. Mm. Seems crazy. If Disneyland had a huge accident tomorrow, mm. and then only two years later reopened up, I don't know if I would be so eager to go back to Disneyland. 
if I knew that Mickey Mouse and all of them and the Pirates of the Caribbean were uh, coming off and chopping off my head and eating me alive. All right, all right. So to you, these these general factors point towards the assumption of the risk. Right. They know what's happening. They're walking into the island. It's like when you go into an escape room. You know you're going to be locked in the room. you got to escape. Right, or a horror maze in, a, in Universal Studios. But what facts point the other way, Dan, that Jurassic World is still largely at fault? Well, besides all of them, John. <laughs> uh, so I would look at the two events where dinosaurs are released into dangerous contact with people from Jurassic World. You have the first escape of the Indominus Rex. Chris Pratt, maybe he's vibing off Bryce Dallas Howard. He wants to be the hero, impress the pretty lady, his boss. Goes into the enclosure with the Indominus Rex merely because they couldn't see it on some cameras. They couldn't pick up its heat signature. And lo and behold, it's still in there. The massive T-Rex-sized dinosaur didn't just vanish. And all of a sudden he has to beeline for a door. They open it for him. He gets through and so does Indominus Rex. And then they send that team after Indominus Rex, and they get all eaten and killed, and yet no one alerts the tourists, no one even gives the tourists a glimmer that something is going wrong because they don't want anyone to know that they have a dinosaur on the loose. Once you start concealing a problem, John, it starts to point to guilt, John. And I think that takes us to the second incident in which dinosaurs are released and that's the rich park owner flying over in his helicopter and i think there's even a part where he could have had an actual pilot handle this but uh is himself flying over there and then pterodactyls come up hits him he goes crashing into the terrarium and then experimental dinosaurs come flying out and grabbing people things get crazy you can create dinosaurs but you can't create a cage that can withstand dinosaurs that seems a little absurd to me (laughs) yeah i'm right there with you john let's make the best cases for it on both sides that we can maybe put our final thoughts down do you have a closing argument you'd like to make john the tourists came to jurassic world trusting that the park would be safe and secure but most of them left in body bags the survivors will have emotional damage that they will never escape life finds a way but their lives will never be the same. Jurassic World is 100% at fault for the injuries of that fateful day. The tourists, even with full knowledge of what transpired years earlier, did not assume the risk because Jurassic World acted with gross negligence. When the Indominus Rex escaped, did the park evacuate its guests? No. And when the Indominus Rex killed a dozen security personnel, did the park evacuate its guests then? No. Only when all the dinosaurs began escaping did the park call for an evacuation, and by that time, it was too late. The park owed a duty of care to their tourists. It breached that duty of care by waiting far too long to evacuate the tourists. And the result? Carnage. Fine for the families of those who lost their loved ones. Fine for those who have to live with the emotional trauma forever. Hold Jurassic World accountable for disregarding human life. And how about you, Dan? Some people just want to experience danger.
And isn't that their right? Some people jump from planes, raft rapids, and climb sheer cliffs. Others like to see lions, tigers, and bears, and wolves up close. Our fascination with predators draws us to these animals. We visit them in zoos. We visit them in the wild. The visitors of Jurassic World made a choice. They wanted to get close to ancient deadly hunters. They knew what there was at the park. The T-Rex attack in San Diego made it clear to the world that dinosaurs are hunters, even of people. Any kid who's been to a natural history museum knows that dinosaurs ruled the earth with tooth and claw. Each guest not only knew and appreciated the danger, but I would say some of them went to Jurassic World to find that danger. The events in Jurassic Park, as told to the world by Dr. Ian Malcolm, showed the world how quickly a small act can escalate into a deadly chaos. The guests of Jurassic Park got exactly what they signed up for. They got to experience Jurassic Park. The assumption of risk requires knowledge and appreciation of the risk. The events of the prior movies made the risk clear. Don't let litigious dinosaurs rule the earth. Find for wonder. Find for Jurassic World. That's a very stirring argument, Dan. Do you think a jury would buy it? Not in a million years, John. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think once again we've covered all the bases, Dan. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. Remember, we have an email account where you can submit questions, comments, and ideas for new episodes. That email is legalcut at gmail.com. Dan, what is that email one more time? Why, it's legalcut at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more legal analysis of your favorite scenes from pop culture. I'm Dan. I'm John. And this has been The Legal Cut. Thank you.